Welcome to Dream Big with Big Dreamers, conversations for career growth, inspiration, and insight. It's time to dream big. Hey there, Scott. How are you doing, Donna? I'm good. You still in Arizona? Or are you uh, I'm, 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 thumbing I'm, around somewhere else in the country? No, I'm in Arizona. I'm having a great time. Just absorbing the sun. So, well, it's it's slowly getting a little warmer here on the East Coast. And I've, I've got a question for you. Have you ever, have you ever sold insurance? No, I've, I, I have never sold insurance. I have bought insurance of many kinds in my life. <laughs> and I've had to, I've had to collect, I've had to try to cash in on insurance policies before when things went awry. I, I have not sold insurance. Yeah. I, you know, I, I recall it. Like, I remember a few times being unemployed in my life and having people come to me and say, you should sell insurance. And it's always been like, mm, I don't know if that's necessarily my calling in life, selling insurance. I remember like, you know, as a kid, my parents would like go to the insurance agent downtown. There was like a guy and they had a desk and a little office. And now I feel like everybody just buys insurance online. You know, it doesn't seem like there's there's there are as many kind of. Although I do know some some people that sell insurance in the kind of mom and pop sort of I, operation. See, I feel it seems like more rare to me. Oh, I don't know about that. I I feel like there's more pictures of insurance agents on signs, and there's like a greater uh, brand awareness that they have. Like before, it was like just go to State Farm, but now it's go to you know go to so and so who rep- represents State Farm. But um, it sort of brings us to our, 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 our guest today, Clark Payan. And Clark, am I pronouncing your name right? Uh, Payan. 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 Yeah. Clark Payan. Clark Payan is Chief Executive Officer of the Independent Insurance Agents and Brokers of California. This 100-year-old trade association is focused as a member resource to promote, protect, and perpetuate independent insurance brokers and agents in California to ensure they provide valuable expertise for California insurance consumers. Clark himself, he's a graduate of Eastern Illinois University, and Clark has more than 40 years of experience in the insurance industry, including roles in an insurance agency, an insurance company, and... Heading up this trade association, Clark. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me today, guys. So, like, do kids like do, like do you see kids coming out of high school or college going, "I want to sell insurance"? Well, you, there are more um, kids that are learning about insurance at a younger age. Um, but as you were opening up there talking, everybody's a lot of people have that idea of what is it, Groundhog Day, where um, the insurance agent hits up uh, Bill Murray on the street day after day after day. Um, but in reality, there's a lot of different areas within the insurance industry that um, rather than, than selling insurance, um, there's all underwriting and actuary services and um, um, client services, uh, client experiences. There are lots of different, lots of different pieces, lots of different places that people can find a good spot. Yeah. How did, how did you even get introduced to all of this? Well, my um, father um, was an independent agent and an independent agent represents more than one company. So they don't just represent one company. They're, they actually own their own books of business and represent more than one company. But he started, he was a speech major, journalism major, and um, was going to be a sports writer. Mm-hmm. And um, did for a while and then got married. And, and a friend of his 
asked him to join a small realtor office, an insurance agent. And so he basically started out of the garage. So I grew up in a um, kind of a entrepreneurial um, atmosphere. I have an identical twin brother and two younger brothers. Um, and, and what um, was nice in, in that regard was my dad uh, was available all the time. He coached sports, and he could do it at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, whereas other people that were working 9 to 5 jobs might not have been able to do that. But he was able to schedule. So the flexibility that he had was was really beneficial to us growing up. But no, I went to, actually went to school on a baseball scholarship and ended up being a history major, then an art major, because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And two weeks before I graduated from college, I still said I wasn't going into the agency business. And um, But $12,000 in a company car was something I couldn't turn down at, at that <laughs> point in time. So away I went. Um, so it was but, pretty much like right after college, they sort of lured you right correct. directly into that. You didn't, did you have a chance to sort of see what it was like, you know, I guess in graphic design or whatever type of art that you were focused in on? No. And as a matter of fact, I mean, I, um, it was a visual communication. So there was some business classes mixed in with the, the art, um, aspect of it. But, um, but I, I wasn't, I didn't know how to get going, I guess, in that regard. And one of the things my dad and, and mom, you know, had encouraged us to do was to major whatever we wanted to in college. He wasn't pushing business. He wasn't pushing to come into the business with him. He was just always making things available for us. So I think that helped. Um, I was an art major. My brother was a human geography major. Um, my middle brother was a construction major and my little brother was a sociology major and we all ended up in the insurance business so um like i said there's different paths to get there yeah I, i'm interested when okay here's my stereotypical kind of insurance experience i think when you when you make a claim it feels adversarial right because obviously the more you pay out right the less uh, revenue coming in, right? And ev so every every kind of insurance claim I've had, I felt like I, I, it didn't feel like a collaborative experience. Like, hey, we're partners in this together. It felt like a like an adversarial experience very often. Um, how do you get over that? Or or, or do, is that common? Or is, is that just stereotypical? Is that a kind of prejudice people have about insurance? Well, I think, too, the, the whole industry has changed, as you pointed out early on. You know, the, people used to go into an insurance agency, sit across the desk from the agent, to fill out applications and to, to file claims. Um, and now a lot of it has become tech-oriented, um, where they're trying to – I think the companies are trying to make that pass less friction so that you don't feel that adversarial aspect of things. Um, however, I mean, the whole concept of insurance is spreading risk. So instead of me taking on my own risk, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay you to take over my risk. Well, if you're a risky person or in, in, in end up having a lot of claims, well, then the insurance company is going to react to that because they're in business, obviously, to make a profit like anybody else is. So um, I think there's different aspects of that. But hopefully, I think the client experience should be getting better um, in terms of the claims handling process. You know, I, I think of years ago, I, I had met a woman and I, I think she worked for Nationwide Insurance Company. Mm -hmm. And I remember she had given me some advice. She said, you know, you really should get in here to one of these big companies. And she said, you make a name for yourself. And every few years, you're just going to, you know, go from one 
from one area to the next. These companies are huge. I mean, you could have an absolute lifetime <laughs> of, of employment, doing different things, learning different areas. And, and she had said, you know, it's not just insurance. It's, it's really the infrastructure of business and you'd get, you'd really be able to, 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 to have all of those experiences. Right. No, it's, um, it isn't just sales. Um, there's no question about it. The, the nice thing about a sales position in any industry is nobody can tell you how much you can, you're going to make, right? If mm -hmm. you, if you earn a commission, then you sell a lot of, you know, a lot of insurance, then you're going to make more commissions than somebody who doesn't. But um, I, I had a neighbor that was a math major, daughter was a math major, and asked me about the insurance industry. And there's a whole actuarial field that goes into insurance companies. Um, you've got, like I said, underwriting, claims handling, um, so th there isn't just one track. And so the idea of sales is a good one, but there's all kinds of, my, my son graduated from um, college here in, in California um, and um, didn't know what he wanted to do with a kinesiology major and an econ minor and um, went to work for a workers' comp insurance company. It started in claims and now is in underwriting and has done some marketing along the way. Um, you've got the wholesale side of the insurance business, which is a different kind of level. You got reinsurance, um, which is a whole different level. And so there's all these moving parts that work together, whether it's personal insurance, commercial insurance, and then also, you know, finance. One thing my dad always loved about what he did was he got to learn about how business works, whether it was a lumber company or a CPA firm or whatever the type of insurance he was involved in. He had to understand what the business was, how it worked in order to identify the risks, in order to identify what kind of insurance you need. So it's a, like I said, I think there's lots of different pathways and, and a very interesting um, angles in, in terms of working in insurance. Yeah. The thing that fascinates me, I think would be the actuarial side, right? The people that actually analyze the risk, right? And right. that to me seems fascinating. And it seems like you'd be coming up with fascinating scenarios all day and figuring out what are the odds of this? I mean, that sounds really intriguing. Well, we're in the midst of that here in California with the wildfires that um, have really changed over the last few years. Um, so companies now are relooking at their whole structure of, of um, property insurance in California and how it needs to be from a rate standpoint, from an exposure standpoint. Because one of the things that, that became very obvious in these fires the last couple of years here in California was that these embers travel a long way. And so um, the whole idea of how to protect your property and how that affects your rates, I mean, it's a big topic of discussion um, from an industry standpoint as well as legislative and regulatory and everything else. There's lots of discussion there. I remember I was on an airplane with this guy who told me he worked at NASA. And he said <laughs> that if you, like, they should be designing airplanes with um with ejector seats and parachutes he said and everyone would survive plane <laughs> crashes <laughs> but it would be one it would be cost it was like cost prohibitive like you don't want to like it would just cost too much to put this it would just it was just easier to bury the few people who do die <laughs> is that like is that is that the same kind of idea like it's just cheaper to bury them <laughs> than to to equip all passenger planes with with ejector seats and parachutes. 
or is well, that just what, insanity? Yeah, I mean, there's lot. There's. Um, I remember when I lived in Colorado, there was a, a builder that was building cave homes. You know, had had uh, uh, grass on your roof and built into the side of the hill. So that, that you know protects you from a lot of things than than otherwise a log cabin out there. So. And you could be living like the Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> so, Clark. Do you do you find that you utilize that art background that you know like do you find yourself like exploring like are, do you find other ways of of utilizing that art from your yeah. studies? I think over time I have because you know marketing even the association or other things that we do there's lots of you know advertising marketing design things like that so I always try to logos you know that we do for conferences or whatever else I always seem to find my way into that conversation so I still enjoy it one of my other hobbies I think that transfers to the way my brain works for in the business is um, jigsaw puzzles I like jigsaw puzzles and I think mm -hmm. that is a lot of what I think about you know from a strategy standpoint trying to look a couple of years ahead all the time is how you put these pieces to you know how they fit together and how yeah. do you get them to fit together do you find, are, are people pivoting in the middle of their career and going into insurance? Is that something that you're seeing or is it mainly just the kids that are coming up and out of school? No, that's a good good point. And I think that's where our target ultimately is in finding new employees. It's not, not just coming out of school graduates, but also others that maybe haven't found their calling yet or have struggled a little bit in, in where they want to be um, and then do get, um, find their way to the, you know, the insurance industry, again, whether it's the insurance company side or the agency side, um, there's lots of opportunities for people in mid-career or looking for a career change. Absolutely. Like how, how would someone look at their and say, these are the things that I did and they, they, they translate well into the insurance field? Because I think right now, especially, I think there are people saying, you know what, I'm ready to pivot. I'm ready to change. Right. I want to move. How could how could they say how could they look at the insurance industry and say this this could be something for me? You know, I think um, well, even our website um, www.iabcal.org has got information on our Pathfinder project, which is wh where we're trying to identify prospects that we can get in a pipeline to talk to independent insurance agents about about careers and um, I mean organization um, again if sales is is what, what you're interested maybe you haven't been successful in tech sales but you still like sales and you want to look at something else or um, like you say a financial background and you like the analytics side of it you know how can I um, find a path in into that area as well so I think there there are definitely ways for for people mid-career to to find find an agency or company to work for it's interesting what Donna was saying. Donna brings back brings up a really interesting point about parachutes and, and airplanes and things. I mean, <laughs> how do you value human life? I mean, I guess from an insurance standpoint, you have to be able to put a number on it. Well, no, what we're talking about is property casualty. So property really is when you get into life and health insurance, you're right. That's a whole different deal. But um, from a property casualty standpoint, you're transferring that risk that something's going to happen to your house or it's going to happen um, even in a business. You've got um, liability. You've got cyber um, um, security issues now. And so that's the other part of insurance is, you know, cybersecurity insurance didn't exist how many years ago. But as the world changes and updates, then there's a need for that risk transfer. So, you know, that's the other um, reality of the insurance industry 
it didn't go anywhere because every business needs insurance in order to operate because most of them, they don't have the resources to just start from scratch and say, hey, I can self-insure all this stuff. So the really the economy, and we saw this during the pandemic, you know, the economy struggles when businesses can't, can't control their risks and, or, or can't transfer those risks. So I, you know, that's the other kind of enduring fact about the insurance industry. It ain't going, it ain't going anywhere. I, I can't imagine how you would even start to think in terms of like the, the cybersecurity and, and all of those things that, ha that have to do with, with computers and security. Um, I wouldn't even know where, where they would begin because it, it, could, it could be so extensive. Well, what's interesting about that line of insurance now is that um, typically insurance is the piece that um, protects or you know, transfers that risk, right? Well, in cyber insurance, a lot of these cyber insurance companies now are also building in, in the tech pieces so that companies can be more secure so they can be a better risk as opposed to just stay, staying in the background and saying, well, you know, you are, you are good at protection, you're not good at protection, we're going to help you in your security levels so that we can feel better in taking on that risk. So that's a really interesting um, kind of dynamic to that line of insurance. Well, I mean, you've been doing this now for 40 years. <laughs> Some days are better than others. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, looking, looking over the past 40 years, I mean, you've said you don't believe that insurance is going anywhere. I can't imagine that it would go anywhere either. It's, it's, it's just a part of, you know, our society and what we, our needs. But what, ha, what has changed with insurance that you've really, you've loved, you've watched it evolve and you feel that it's, it's made it even more attractive to you? Well, like I was saying earlier, I think the customer experience has got better with technology. Um, the biggest change I've seen is just the speed of change. You know, and I, and I think all businesses have experienced that. But it used to be you could kind of get, you could see a change coming, you get ready for it, you live through it for a couple of years, and then it would be before something else changed. And now, you know, just change keeps coming, and, and we've seen that accelerate the last couple of years. Um, but I think um, even the technology side of things commented that more insurance is being bought online than ever before, which is true. Um, but it, I think there's a level of, of um, risk transferred that fits into that category and doesn't fit in that category. And the easiest example I can give, if I'm working on my bathroom at home and I need to replace the faucet in the sink and I go down to the local hardware store and I bring a fa buy a faucet, bring it back to put it in and it doesn't fit, well, then I just bring it back to the hardware store and get another one until it fits, right? Mm -hmm. When you buy insurance like that, without some consultation or, or without some advice, you won't know that it doesn't fit until it's time of a claim Too or right. something happens. And so um, now a, a, a young renter with maybe one car, no family or anything like that, their risk profile is completely different than somebody that needs help to buy insurance for a business with 100 employees that's shipping and all kinds of different things. So, But there's a, a, con a consultative aspect of this that I think is really important that I don't think um, people should just kind of discount and say, "Oh, I can save a hundred dollars. I can save seven hundred dollars in twelve minutes, or whatever it is, um, due to the ads on TV." Um, sometimes that'll fit, but sometimes it won't, and you don't want to be caught when it doesn't fit. You know, 
I was going to say something, Scott. It looks like you're going to say something. Oh, I just wanted to ask Clark if he knew the first American insurer was. Uh, um, well, some of the names have changed. You know, the players have changed. Even Fireman's Fund, who wrote the insurance for the 1906, you know, a lot of the insurance and survived the 1906 earthquake here in um, San Francisco um, is no longer because it was purchased by a, a couple of different names. So, no, off the top of my head, I don't know. It's going to be so the East Coast a long time ago. This would be Ben Franklin in 1752. Um, I was go. going to say Ben Franklin because he's like the answer to every question. He is the answer to every question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was he and a bunch of guys set um, kind of a, a, a insurance cooperative kind of thing for fire for fire loss in Philadelphia. Right. 1752. Well, they used to put fire marks on a house. So if you bought your insurance from Philadelphia Insurance Company, they had a fire mark, and you would put that on your house. So if your house was burning, they had a fire department that would put it out. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, also, Lloyd's of London is still in existence today uh, in a big part of the insurance industry, and they started you know, in a coffee house or whatever, just taking when ships were coming from, from England to the New World, they would... Um, the, the underwriting, and that's how the term became. So they pass around slips. So if the ship cargo was worth, you know, whatever amount of money, I'll I'll take the first a thousand. I'll take the next a thousand. I'll take the next piece. And so there was many um, companies or many underwriters that were on those type of risks. And if a ship sank, then each one of them, um, you know, was had had so much of the interest in that ship's cargo. And that's still that's still in existence today. Just not, not from a coffee house, though. <laughs> no, no. A well, there's probably a lot of insurers that, like, that are working from coffee shops. You know? <laughs> oh, with laptops, you can work from you know? anywhere these days, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. 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 What would you say has been your biggest success, Clark? Oh, I think raising two beautiful kids and having a lovely wife at home is, is I think, a big part of my um, what I'm thankful for. Um, but, no, I've, I've enjoyed the um, association side. Um, and I think um, navigating, um, uh, you know, financial issues with 2008 and, and, and et cetera, um, advocacy, the re legislative things we do. And as an association, the whole value proposition has changed even in the last four or five, you know, 10 years. Um, everybody um, in the business world used to join their trade association. That's what you did. That's where you got your education. That's where you got your networking. That's where you learned. You made the connections to move up and around, as you talked about before. Just like joining the Chamber of Commerce. You know, everybody just, yeah. everybody does it. And, and today, um, people are much more scrutinizing in terms of expenses and what's my value? What do I get out of this? And, and, and what we've learned, our membership uh, varies from small agencies with three or four people up to um, large national brokers that, you know, have multiple offices and, and lots of employees. And so the value propositions for all those different segments are different. So it used to be you just put stuff up on the board and, and everybody thought that was valuable. And now it's like playing chess on a multi-level chessboard in terms of um, how we invest here or what resource we're going to use here in, in terms of keeping that diverse um, audience that we have because that benefits the, the, the entire group. So I think that's been that's been a fulfilling challenge because I think we've done a good job at it, but it's another never-ending challenge. And that's where I, a long time ago, kind of got on that um, 
Deming uh, quality control and continuous improvement. And I just think that we, I've always had the idea of continuous improvement um, in terms of how to run a business, how to operate a business, and how to encourage people to think, because I think that's, that's the way you get, you're going to have to do it. Do you have, do you have, I, I don't want to say it like a failure that you learn from, but more like, do you have like a success or, or a success tip to give people that you've learned in these, these 40 years? Is there something that you really feel like? Yeah, I think a couple, I still remember having a conversation with my mom when I was in my mid twenties about whether I should leave the agency after a couple of years. Cause I had this art kind of, Every time I rode, drove over an overpass, I'd look at that highway and think I should be on that going somewhere. You know, I always had this idea that I should be doing something else. And um, and she told me, you never make right or wrong decisions. You, you make decisions and then you work at making those right until you got to make another decision. And, and But you don't get all kind of built up about, oh, that was a bad decision or that was a good decision. So I think that's, you know, over time I've learned because I've always had this mentality that I wouldn't far too far, I wouldn't fall too far. Maybe I get to the gutter, but I wouldn't, you know, fall, you know, in the gutter. But um, I, I just, I think that's what um, I've, I've been uh, blessed with the idea that I've been able to try this. Okay, that didn't work. But then you try something else, and another door opens. So what I tell younger people um, today is, when they are hired, is to be a problem solver, because that's what all employers are really looking for their employees is to be problem solvers. And the other thing you hear a lot and young employees, you know, say, well, listen and learn. And I agree with that, but I'd also add be confident and participate because that's why you were hired. So I, I think you've got to learn kind of, you know, to be confident and not be over, you know, zealous in terms of your comments or what you do, but but pay attention and participate because that's really what, what you need to be. So I think just keeping your eyes open, your head up yeah. and your eyes open is a, is a good work well for me. Yeah, and 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 I I I think there's a beauty to, to to what we've talked about here, which is you know there is this this industry that's not hidden, it's not cloaked, it's right there. We watch TV, it's it's something that you know we know of, we pay into, and and I think some people just look at it as you know I don't want to get into sales, but there's so much more, and it's it's almost easy to overlook, even though it's right there smack dab in front of us right well it's not so, sexy there's no question about it it's not sexy <laughs> well you know i i used to, i when i would work with uh, insurance agents on uh their their facebook page or you know whatnot I, i'm like guys you're not an ice cream parlor you know it's like <laughs> yep <laughs> if you're if you're gonna be posting about you know the flavors of the week you're gonna get a lot of responses but when you're talking about insurance expect crickets it's you could talk about catastrophes of the week you know yeah. illustrated yeah. risk yeah just, <laughs> just put up youtube films of awful things that require insurance well i think the hot buttons that they're pushing now is stability um flexibility and also you're helping others you know the industry that's what it's built around is is, is to help others and then um you know the income potential um and stability of that um just over time i think is really what how we're trying to get people to take notice well, you know, thank you so much for your time today, Clark. Great. No, thank you. I appreciate uh, visiting with you guys. It's been an interesting talk. Great. Enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Thank you.